Hi, everyone, and welcome to Stories of S's. I'm Gabby. And I'm Daniel. Uh, if you can't hear it, we're a bit under the weather still. Uh, we're pretty sure my dad brought over the plague when they came to visit for Christmas. Anyways, we wish you a happy new year. We do. We hope you've had a great, wonderful new year. Um, you got to spend it with your friends, family, co-workers, people you like, people you don't. But hopefully it was a great time. And we are super happy to be back in our routine and with a new episode for you guys. Yeah, we have such great episodes coming up. We're so excited to share these with you. Um, today's episode, we're going to be talking about Norse mythology goddess, Scotty. Danny, do you know anything about Scotty? Yeah, I did my homework. Scotty is like a female giantess and goddess from the Norse mythology and i think we will delve into more details but she's definitely into skiing and hunting yes she is she's just a pro um so we're excited to talk to you guys about it today um so let's dive in this week's resources are the whirling wheel the male constructor of empowered female identities in old north mythology and legend by david varley chapter one origin myths and rulership from the viking age ruler to the ruler of medieval history continuity transformations and innovations by gro steinsland norse mythology.org danish canadian museum.com historiska.se and a youtube video by jackson crawford um, that talks about the origins of Scotty in North mythology. If you didn't know, here's some like really cool fun fact, baby, about Scotty. Did you know that the German word for Schaden comes from Scotty? No, I didn't know that. Explain that. Um, I guess it's through the evolution of language, um, because Scotty was seen as very powerful and very just a bringer of disruption in a good way, um, for us, but. I guess for others, not so much. Her name transformed into what we know today in German as Schaden. Okay, and what does that like translate to in English for all of the other guys that are listening? <laughs> kind of just like like the English word is scathe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, which also sounds a lot like Scotty. So, uh, our West Germanic branch right there. Let's get into it. Scotty, Greg, Greater and Freya are part of Asenur, the prominent goddess goddesses of divine society. Skadi is considered to be an external goddess that married into the divine society. So, for example, in Greek mythology, we have like the upper echelon of gods that live in Mount Olympus, and the lower type of gods live on Earth or in different realms. This is the same with Skadi before her marriage to Vanir, and she is seen as an outsider. So if you don't know, Skadi is a Jotun, which means it's just kind of like her family name. But we in English have translated it to giant. All the gods were kind of like, they could be big, they could be small. Um, so there's like the Vanir, the Jotun, um, 
and then i'm forgetting the other ones but basically like whoever odin and thor and loki and ziff are uh scotty is often placed in a position of empowered authority and independent will and the exploration into norse mythology particularly focusing on the role of women unveils a narrative deeply influenced by male perspectives the investigation raises questions about whether men through their words and actions shape the identities of female figures in these myths. This analysis that we're going to do delves into the redefinition of female identity and the power dynamics inherent in these narratives. So specifically for Scotty um, and what that looks like for her. So in one of the papers, especially one of the ones that I picked for this episode in particular, specifically examines the story of Skadi, uh, Gerder, and Freya, the prominent goddesses of divine society. These female figures, although characterized by patriarchal norms, strategically navigate their roles and powers within a male-dominated context. The tension between the perceived roles of women and their actual capabilities become evident as empowered women resist or manipulate the labels imposed by male divinities. So into the story of Skadi, an external goddess who marries into divine society, again, serves as a compelling example. Her story unfolds in a sequel of kidnapping of the goddess Idun, um, where Skadi, portrayed as a powerful and independent figure, seeks vengeance for her father's death. The gods, in an attempt to reconcile, offer her the chance to choose a husband from their ranks. And Scotty, being a smart goddess more than that um, of her given labels, understands that she is A, in the right by asking for reconciliation um, from the other gods, and B, sees this as an opportunity for diplomacy. You know, many myth, if the roles were reversed and it's uh, like, for example, like a male god and his father was murdered, he would just like go in and like kill everyone and vengeance and avenge his father. And she was like, how can I use what they did to me to my advantage? Me killing them isn't going to bring my dad back from the dead. So how can I use this for me and my people, my following, to the best of my ability? And so she comes up with this. As McKinnell has noted, this episode functions as an absurd burlesque of the standard style of bridal quest familiar from Norse saga and draws attention to the narrative similarities present, but also to the important gender issue that distinguishes Scotty's request for a husband from of Icelandic tales in which a hero seeks a worthy bride. The unusualness of the situation must be noted. There are a few instances in the corpus of Old Norse literature where so much emphasis is placed on female initiative with regard to her marital fate and to larger issues. That the main role of the armed and armored quester is taken by a woman also highlights the interesting parallels the story has with the Primskita from both Skadi and Four adopt the clothing and mannerisms of the opposite sex and journey into enemy territory for purposes that are atypical for their conventional gender roles and that are consequently problematized. It is Loki, though, and more specifically his unique approach to physical gender, who importantly provides the means to a happy resolution in both stories. So this part of the myth is actually pretty short. Snorri's account of Scotty's quest is brief, but it is rich in detail. It says, And Scotty, the daughter of the giant Fiazi, took up Helm and Bernie and all war weapons and went to Asgard to avenge her father. But the Acer offered her reconciliation and compensation. That's the other name. So it's the Vayner, the Jotun, and the Acer. 
and compensation, and in the first place, she could choose a husband from the Acer, and then she could choose by the feet and not seeing anything else of them. Then she saw one man's exceptionally beautiful feet and said, I choose this one. There will be little ugly about Balder, but it is Njordr from Noatun that she married, that she picked. It was also in her terms of settlement that the Aesir were to do something that she thought they could not do. Make her laugh. Then Loki did this. He tied a rope around the beard of a certain nanny goat and the other end around his testicles and they gave way and turned in like a tug of war and they both squealed loudly. Then Loki let himself drop into Scotty's lap and then she laughed. Then the reconciliation with her on the part of Acer was complete. This included another unconventional resolution, which involves making Scotty laugh, right? Through Loki's comical actions. Scotty's decision to adopt traditionally masculine attributes, including war attire and pursuing vengeance, challenges societal norms. Again, just kind of like going back to like that comparison between myths that we've talked about um or myths that have been super popular right it is not typical for us to hear that goddess or a princess or a queen takes up arms and like goes and confronts by herself the the upper echelon of gods right yeah and i think one part or one thing that definitely played a part is that she is from the like giants realm and the giants usually never really got along with the gods so they've always been at war occasionally they fell in love and i think there was also one reason for her to just stand up for herself and just go and be like okay like i'm either going to fight them or there's going to be a resolution for them killing my father yeah i mean she was up in the mountains in the snow just very far from like where the like main hub of the gods was and so with her reconciliation with the gods with the acer group she potentially gained influence through a high status marriage so the god that she married is the god of the sea and she in turn takes her father's place which is the goddess of snow and skiing um, so she's in the mountains. Already we can see this like might not end well. Spoiler alert. The interaction between Scotty and Loki adds complexity to the narrative, emphasizing the shared outsider experience of these characters and Loki's crucial role in influencing Scotty's mentality. So let's talk about her marriage to Njordr. She's a modern woman. She was really wanting to marry Balder because Balder was like super hot, very popular. Everybody liked him. So that was like her crush. And then she ended up having to marry someone else. And she like, because Balder was like so beautiful, she was like, well, if he's beautiful on top, he's going to be beautiful like on, bo like on the bottom. Like his feet are going to be super nice. But since Njordr is the god of the sea, like his feet go through water right all the time so his feet were clean at which you're laughing at me but like a lot of these websites like said that they like highlighted that they're like you know like don't forget like he's a god of basically like water so he's like really clean so they try it out they get married and nerder uh takes uh scotty and they go live by the sea 
she hates it. She's like, oh, I hate this. Yeah, the seagulls kept her up at night. The waves kept her up at night. She's like, how can people sleep like this? But she is an awesome stepmom. She loves her stepkids so much so that her stepkids called her um, mom, like mother, which is a big deal even back then. Um, so like Freya, if you ever hear Freya, like she had, she was one of the stepdaughters and she loves Scotty apart from like the relationship between Scotty and her father's marriage. Her relationship with her stepchildren was strong and she tried to make it work. She was like, we got to make this work. So she proposed that Njordur come to the mountains, right? And Scotty and the Jotun are, they kind of have this like negative connotation around them they're like negatively charged they're not they don't have like the best reputation with the gods but it's mostly because they don't know them right they're just like beefing um but no for like any real real particular reason like even when scotty's father was killed she didn't start a war right she was like I mean, what are we going to do? But Scotty's, the animals that she has that like kind of represent her are wolves and snakes, which are, again, negatively charged animals. Like like a wolf dressed in sheepskin is always like a negative connotation to it. And snakes, well, you know, unless it's for Taylor Swift reputation. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can, I can like talk about Taylor Swift at least once in every episode. It's good for the fan base. <laughs> It's good for my health. And never underestimate the Swifties. Yeah, no, never underestimate the Swifties. We're we're a force to be reckoned with. So yeah, so she has like her new family, blended family, go up to the mountains with her. And it's cold. And the wolves are howling all the time. So Njordar doesn't really like it anymore. He's like, I can't sleep. She's like, well, I can't sleep at the sea. And he's like, okay, let's try like... Sometimes, some days you're with me, sometimes I'm with you. And they honestly, like, don't even care enough about each other to, like, make the marriage actually work. They're kind of like, oh, I mean, like, you do your thing, I do my thing. They're very, like, LDR, long distance relationship. But they don't even have a relationship. So it's just LD, long distance. Half and half. Like some days we'll sleep with you. Some days we'll sleep with me. And then there's like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't even really like you. I just like your kids. He's like, I like my kids too. I was like, well, at least we agree on that. Later in the storyline of Norse mythology, Scotty is involved in Lokasena, which is the punishment of Loki. And this reveals a change in her relationship with Loki. Um, Remember, like in the initial dynamic like he's in like a pseudo outsider right like he's like the lone wolf but he's like still part of the group and she's really like the external she's an external goddess like she married into the family kind of like by force like they were forced to accept her and then they end up like liking her she ends up becoming like a very pivotal person in the group and they're like oh we were wrong about you um, but they kind of had like this like understanding, right? Cause like he makes her laugh. Um, but they have this like unspoken understanding of we're, we're in this together, right? Like we're like the outsiders together. But when they were initially close and convivial later, their dynamics change. And 
a reminder that like this isn't one-sided like it, it wasn't that like she changed against loki like loki also changed because the reason why we have the locusena the punishment of loki is because he kills balder who was her like original crush and you know he was like a really beloved god like he was just like a good guy and he's also the son of odin so the chief god so he had to be punished loki had to be punished and then he like plays like a really principal role in his death telling everyone about it and insulting all the gods and then he starts insulting scotty and scotty's like the heck like i thought we were friends i thought we were cool and he just like really like puts the knife in deeper killing balder and then just like insulting her so the transformation this transformation of evolving between the two of them mirrors the evolution of their social positions as gods scotty integrated into divine society while loki edged toward expulsion scotty's decisive rejection and punishment of loki with her use of her venomous snakes in locusena marks a turning point in the poem hinting at the onset of ragnarok i think the exact pan punishment was that there was like a snake placed above his head and she was and the snake was like constantly dripping poison down and then he had a bucket over his head so he wouldn't be exposed to the venom all the time but at a certain point the bucket had to be emptied and during that time this poison was dripping onto his head and causing severe pain i guess yeah it was like his wife took the like bucket away um and also his like he was like tied down onto these rocks i think he was like tied with his own like guts as well so it was like a very painful thing and he's a god so he can't really die but he can definitely feel or feel pain scotty's pivotal role in this initiates this dis quote-unquote destructive sequence showcasing her as a figure who defies societal norms and shapes the trajectory of norse mythology albeit in unexpected weight one of the resources i'm using did an investigation and viewed how the women in norse mythology were created and how they were written about women in norse mythology are not a product of the mentality of the writers of this literary material but rather as a product of male characters within the narr like the literary narratives themselves so again what we've talked about like in the very very beginning of this podcast episode one is that these characters these female characters and stories are sometimes are created as secondary characters while like the male characters are like the main protagonists and in order to move the story along you need like these like female supports but it kind of like shifts Right? The investigation poses the question of whether men can be seen through their words, thoughts, and actions to be responsible for creating female identities. Intimately connected to the concept of identity creation is the idea of power, right? Like you have the power to create these ideas, you have the power to create these characters, and therefore you have the power to create societal norms. Most male attempts to redefine female identity is motivated by a desire to acquire control and negate or otherwise alter the powers possessed by females. So I asked myself these couple questions, right, for this podcast. Who gets to define our identity as women? And what does that look like with Scotty and the women of today? What do these myths tell us anyway? And can we read between the lines? For example... 
Scotty's written defiance of gender norms in Norse mythology is evident in multiple aspects of her character and actions. Her story unfolds as a departure from the traditional roles assigned to women in Norse society, challenging established gender expectations. Firstly, Scotty's adoption of traditionally masculine attributes stands out. In her quest for vengeance, she dones helm, burning, and war weapons, symbols of aggression and warface typically associated with male <clears throat> deities and warriors. This deliberate choice to embrace a masculine appearance challenges the conventional image of women as passive or nurturing figures in Norse mythology. So she dresses up in this traditionally masculine garb and attire. She has the power to use them, but she doesn't, right? Like she looks like she's going into war. She could if she wanted to, but she uses it more of like a ploy for wise diplomacy, right? So she's like, it looks like I can kick your butt, but I'm not gonna kick your butt. I'm gonna give you a chance to make this right without having to use violence. Yeah, and she's also <laughs> gaining something from that, right? Because that's what marriage back in those days typically was based on. It was to gain access to certain like groups of people, right? So like uh, societal, Or it could be also to advance in a family context. So when it comes to like property or influence or animals that you have or gold that you have, right? So, and that's what she's trying to do. Like instead of choosing the violence, she's trying to advance and improve her position by choosing a husband. And unfortunately, she didn't choose the one that she wanted to have, but still she at least got it her way. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's great. Like, I love what you said, especially because like we just were watching Game of Thrones, so it like kind of goes with like what we were watching. And we were watching Loki the um, series on Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Um, we watched that one too. I didn't pay too much attention to it, but I think it was a really good one. So you guys can definitely watch Loki on Disney Plus if you guys are into that. Yeah, it's, it's not an ad. It's an actual, like, thumbs up from us. Scotty's deviation from the expected feminine, feminine demeanor sets her apart as a character willing to redefine her identity on her terms. And the thing is, why is that so important, right? She has a feminine demeanor. She wants to redefine identity in her own terms. And she can. You know why? Because there were so many, like, boogeyman stories about the Jotun that they were like ugly and they were aggressive and they were violent and they were wild and they didn't know up from down they were uneducated and she shows up and basically outsmarts them in every way she's beautiful she knows how to handle weapons she knows how to carry her own she knows how to handle diplomacy she knows what to ask for and how to ask for it and she did it by herself she didn't come with an army she didn't come with like a huge amount of people who were like advising her like this came from her and she gets to define how she could be a woman and how she became a goddess and that's not to say that she wasn't in conflict with herself right because again the yotun were under the reputation of aggression and just plain ugliness But as a woman, there is an added second layer of expectation where she is supposed to have the traditionally defined, quote unquote, feminine demeanor, but she defies that. And in the story, there isn't a lot of in-depth reasons as to why, 
But I think that we can argue and think that it's what this podcast is about. There are so many layers within a person that there are so many reasons as to why and many ways to be a person. There's so many ways to be a guy. There's so many ways to be a girl. There's so many ways to be whoever you want to be, right? For example, like there's just like this quote I read. I don't remember where exactly. It's like a bit of a longer quote, but basically it's like when you go into the supermarket, right? What's like the easiest thing to make in the world? Bread, right? It's like flour, water, and like eggs, maybe. I thought you would just say eggs. <laughs> well, you need a chicken and the power to create life. Um, <laughs> but bread, right? Like it's super easy. Like bread is bread. But you go into the bread aisle and there is, it's a huge aisle. And they all suck in the U.S. <laughs> German hater uh, but that is true but I mean like you have like white bread whole wheat whole wheat and grain whole wheat no grain just grain um uh all season bagels gluten-free from gluten-free yeah gluten-free white bread dark bread pumpernickel marble like there are just so many ways that people make bread and it's like if bread can be a bunch of stuff and even bread is like i guess like limited what about people where our ability to be someone is unlimited you cannot be gluten-free <laughs> i am gluten-free <laughs> so are you as a person oh as a person right um but you know like there's just so like many ways to be limitless Right, like for example, we were talking today about um, <laughs> our closet. Uh, Danny counted how many sweaters I have. I think it was 27 and I have three. First of all, it's 28 and you counted five, okay, for yourself. But I told him, I was like, look at all these sweaters. We're like the same size, first of all. We share a lot of clothes. We do. Gabby steals a lot of my clothes. You wear some of my clothes too, often. You're wearing my clothes right now. I'm wearing her thong right now. <laughs> They're briefs. Uh, no, he's wearing my um, my sweater. But I was like telling him, I was like, oh, there are some sweaters that are like way too small for him, for sure. Because he's like buff in the arms. But there are other sweaters that like we share all the time. Like my Taylor Swift sweater, the Moniskin sweater. I have a pink sweater. Um, you're wearing my Hollister Italia jack, uh, sweater right now. You actually wore the jacket my parents gave me. I've worn the jacket um, they gave you. And it was just kind of like, if you open your mind to seeing the world as limitless, you would have so many more options, right? Especially, like in the terms of our closet, like I told them, I was like, you need to see the closet the way I see our closet, which is it's our closet what's yours is mine what's mine is yours i mean you've worn my sabrina carpenter shirt um and you've worn my shorts and my pants and i've worn your pants I and mean, it's just like we have like one sock drawer because we just wear the same socks together so it's just kind of like there's like this limitless appeal to it all in all to say Scotty just also shows this like ability to be limitless as a goddess. Yeah, she has like 
wolves and serpents as like her like mascots and she like uses them to serve justice um she uses them just like in a way of resourcefulness like as resources and not like in a negative way of hey uh, i'm using these wolves against you i'm using these serpents against you like she's not she doesn't use them for evil right so she chooses and she defines who she is in her own terms which i love especially because we get to choose and we get a choice as people nowadays thank goodness furthermore scotty's pursuit of revenge for her father's death showcases her as an active and assertive figure in a society where women were often portrayed as damsels in distress or as passive participants scotty's decisive actions break free from these stereotypes her agency in seeking retribution challenges the notion that women in norse mythology are merely reactionary elements in the narratives again that's what our podcast is about women are not just merely reactionary elements in the narratives women are take action characters take action protagonists period full stop boom yeah that's very true and i wrote some other stuff down and i think that goes quite well with that so scotty has a equality with men that isn't common in the modern age and she doesn't back down when it comes when it comes time to getting what's owned owed her so yeah that's basically what you were saying but just in other words right like you get what you negotiate for and she's like i'm not backing down until i get what i want having balder as her husband was an added bonus but having diplomacy and peace between the Jotun and the acer was and the vayner was the top goal for her the pivotal moment in scotty's story involves her, her unconventional marriage negotiation right which is what we're talking about when offered the opportunity to choose a husband from the acer the gods present themselves with only their feet visible scotty following her own terms selects a partner based solely on the appearance of their feet without considering their faces or other attributes this act subverts the traditional concept of arranged marriages and emphasizes scotty's agency in determining her own destiny right they could she could have said i want a husband from you guys and they would have been like we picked this husband this is your husband you're good to go bye-bye that small word right that she chose her husband based on their feet let's not focus so much on like the fact that it wasn't by their feet but let's go back a couple words she chose right she had the ability to choose it wasn't an arranged marriage it wasn't a forced marriage it was a choice and that is something that like we didn't we don't get to see that often in like old mythology right so she is already she shows up in her own terms she picks her husband in her own terms she picks how her marriage goes in her own terms she picks how she you know becomes part of society in her own terms and she picks how she punishes loki in her own terms she made all her decisions she had that like autonomy and free will and she wasn't reactionary she was action she acted she thought she acted she chose and that's uh, i'm a fan moreover scotty's willingness to marry into divine society does not mark a complete surrender 
of her empowered identity. Despite taking on the role of a wife, she continues to embody strength and resilience, this dual identity where she retains her empowered role while navigating the expectations of being a wife showcases her ability to exist predefined gender norms. Remember, they make a, a thing about highlighting that she, you know, had like masculine attire on. But it was just because like, I guess, you know, like nowadays, like a lot of girls have quote unquote masculine attire on because we wear pants. So I'm pretty sure, I mean, like if she's skiing... I don't think you want to ski in a skirt, right? Like, <laughs> Danny, you've got you. You just went skiing. W- would you ski in a skirt? Probably not. It's very, not very practical unless you're a Scottish person. Then you have to. <laughs> um, it's not very practical, is what I'm saying. Like, if you if you ski in a skirt, like all power to you. I'm just saying, like, it's probably not practical because you have to like. Uh, like a long skirt would like kind of limit like your mobility right it doesn't like pants don't take away from your femininity yeah and i mean it's just cold (laughs) yeah it is it's just cold but she navigates like what they described as like masculine um but she also navigates being a wife and a stepmother a really really good stepmother by the way um and so the episode right like after um, she picks her husband, where Loki facilitates Scatty's laughter, adds a layer of complexity to her defiance of gender norms. The unconventional method employed by Loki, such as attaching a rope to a nanny goat's beard and his own testicles, challenged conventional ideas of gendered behavior and social propriety. Um, Scotty's response to this bizarre situation wherein she laughs not only highlights her sense of humor, but underscores her capacity to find amusement in unconventional circumstances. I mean, a lot of times before, again, in context of like all the myths that we have out there, the popular ones, at least that we know about and have studied, they really highlight that like women kind of have to like prove themselves or like show off for like the male visitor, right? Like some prince from a faraway land comes and so they like parade these women and dancers and blah, blah, blah. Um, And you know, Scotty thought at the beginning, she's like, there's no way they can make me laugh. Like they're pretty like uppity people. They're not going to make me laugh. And then Loki does it and then she accepts it. She's like, you know what? Like it's all in good fun. We're good humored. Like it's it's not that big of a deal. And it, it was funny. Like she has a good sense of humor. She doesn't, she lets it go, you know, let Zygons be Zygons. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to put that in there. Um, Danny doesn't exactly know what that means, but he wears my Doctor Who shirt that says, let Zygons be Zygons. Yeah, it's, it's good enough for sleeping, for sure. <laughs> and good enough to mention on the podcast. Uh, in essence, Scotty's defiance of gender norms in Norse mythology is a multifaceted rebellion. Oh my god, that'd be such a cool band name. Multifaceted Rebellion. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> From adopting traditionally masculine attributes to actively shaping her destiny and participating in unconventional marriage negotiations and an unconventional marriage. She never has children of her own, but she loves her stepchildren. She's a very great stepmother. Her marriage doesn't really work out. They tried the long distance thing. It didn't really work out. It wasn't traditional. It wasn't conventional. But they made it work. 
And Scotty emerges as a figure who challenges and redefines the established roles and expectations imposed on women in the mythological narrative of the Norse cosmos. Quite often, from everything that we've read, because fallible males demonstrate an imperfect understanding of female power, there can be marked disparity between the abilities certain women are thought to possess and those they actually do. Uh, and this paper examines a lot, a large selection of um, female figures, and especially supernatural female figures, across a broad range of literature, ultimately to suggest that the male creation of female power is deeply entrenched in narrative patterns observable in many different contexts. Really just to say that what men observe is not the full picture. And it, these myths were traditionally written mostly by men or started by men, right? At least made popular by men. It, 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 that might not be completely accurate to say that they were started, but at least they were made very popular. You know, the men had a great PR team uh, in the past. Um, it's not a full picture of what women are, but it is a small portion of the picture. Um, and I want to finish that by saying um, there was another little uh, story thing I read on. I think it was like Reddit or something. Basically, this girl was talking about the power of the kitchen versus the power of the living room. And she says that when she was younger, basically, all the men in her family gathered in the living room and they would talk about you know, the economy and the politics and the sports and these like really, you know, and technology and all this stuff. And then she would go in the kitchen and she was like, man, like I wish we, I was in, I could go into like the living room and understand what these men were talking about because clearly they're talking about like the most important things out there. Um, and then one day she was like, I'm going to be in the kitchen. And so she went into the kitchen and there are like the women and her family are all like cooking and like talking and they're talking about higher things than just the goings on about the politics and the current events of the day and the finance and the economy. And they were making the decisions that the men were talking about in the living room. So they were making the decisions for their family, the decisions that would influence these men. And she was like saying, she's like, don't underestimate the power of the kitchen. There are a lot of conversations that are happening with these group of women that you don't observe the full picture, right? Like if you were to have a snapshot of like a 10 second snapshot of what was going on, right? You would hear like the men talking about all these important things and you would then see like the woman cooking and cleaning in the kitchen and also talking at the same time. That's a very small picture about what is happening. And the bigger the bigger picture and the fuller picture, right, is that these women are talking about really big, important decisions that actually end up influencing what the men in the living room end up talking about. So she just said, don't ever underestimate the power of the kitchen because those conversations are probably one of the most important or some of the most important conversations that are being held, right? And I think that that's just like a really cool reminder to say that like both men and women have these multitudes within us. I say that a lot on this podcast, but we really do. We really do hold multitudes within us. We hold a lot of beauty, a lot of emotion, a lot of creation, a lot of power and wisdom in, in when it comes to decisions that we make for ourselves and decisions that we make for larger groups of people. Um, and I hope that this podcast not only highlights um, that for everyone, but really, really pushes to highlight that ability to be whatever you want to be and have limitless options um, for women 
as they can see it in, you know, Norse mythology, Greek mythology, Mexican mythology, actual women who are incredible in today's world and in history. That's what this podcast is about. And I love that Scotty really represents that. You know, she was unconventional um, for her time, but she was just her at her own terms. She was whoever she wanted to be. And she was accepted into divine society. You know, she was ex- she was welcomed into the upper echelon and not because she changed, but because she stayed too true to who she was the entire time. Regardless of what people thought of her, she was smart. She was kind. She had good, good humor. She is, I don't know, she was just such a great example of just because that's how we've always done it. That's not exactly how I need to do it. Thank you, Scotty, for being such a cool goddess of skiing and winter um, and just being a great badass and not letting anybody tell you who to be. You were who you were, the goddess you wanted to be on your own terms. Rock on. Rock on. And for anyone that wants to like... Or what I can really recommend when I did some research about Skadi, but then also about like the broader North mythology is that like have a look into the North North mythology world and how it's built up. It's really interesting, really, really cool on how they think the world worked. And then maybe like another side note because you guys probably think like why the hell did those guys end up using christianity they had so many nice gods and like crazy stories about them and that's also i I was interested in it so i was like wondering okay like when did that happen and why did it happen that they actually ended up like changing from their gods to christianity right And it was around uh, 1000 uh, Anno Domini. And back then, basically, the Christians came and said, hey, you can like adapt our religion. And it offers you a very broad spectrum of access. So you had access to literature, to education, to resources, to trade, and all of those things. And That's basically how they ended up convincing the, of course, first like the king and the rulers and so on, but they then transmitted it down to the folk to end up using Christianity. So basically trickle down religion. Basically, yeah. I mean, at the end it was good because they could trade more, had more taxpayer money that they could spend on wine. Perfect. Right. And, but also like remember that we celebrate a lot of pagan holidays still like christmas and easter right the days that we celebrate it right we celebrate yule and we celebrate like fertility um in the spring and i know that they just like well these are like the most popular dates so let's kind of split up like the prominent christian like holidays into like these popular dates um and you know when you celebrate what you celebrate like celebrate whatever you want Right. Um, But just know that there's a lot of history in there and we're going to get to unpack so much more stuff um, coming up. And I love that you pointed that out because it's true. Like once we put a lot of this stuff in context, um, we see a lot of stuff uh, and we see the world as 
how it is and how we want it to see and how other people wanted it to be shaped even now with access to like the internet and everything we get to learn about goddesses like scotty and their reputation and their power of influence um to this day yep absolutely and that's really amazing and i just love that it's like that we still have like access to those things kind of in like a somehow written down or interpreted way for things that happened thousands of years ago and what people believed in so believe in whatever you want to believe and thank you guys for tuning in that was our podcast for today we hope you guys liked it it was our first episode this year and we are super happy to be back with you guys and as usual if you guys like the podcast rate us give us five stars follow us on social media like instagram and if you guys have any suggestions drop us a dm or send us an email at stories of s's at gmail.com or without the at gmail.com for our instagram <laughs> perfect exactly uh again we have so many things to share with you guys um our podcasts drop on mondays uh that's our favorite day to drop uh And most importantly, have an amazing start to your 2024. Reach out to us. We would love to hear from you guys. I love to read your messages, even on my personal Instagram that you guys text me through. Um, love to hear it. Love your comments. Love your feedback. Love your suggestions. Um, and just have a great week, everyone. Bye, guys. Cheers. Cheers.